I'm sure you've noticed the leaves are changing. So should your search engine. Switch to Luxel.com, a search engine that gives voice to independent, conservative, and progressive publications you won't find anywhere else. That's Luxel, L-U-X-X-L-E. And if you are local, don't forget We the People. And on Tuesday, October 24th, the two guests will be none other than myself and Pastor Zach Strong of Christ Church of the Heartland. That is 5 o'clock p.m. at Delmonico's in Jackson. And then on October 31st, the guests will be Mike Moon, Missouri Senator from District 29, and Don Mayhew, Missouri Representative from District 124, speaking about reigning in MoDOT. Don't miss it. I am extremely excited to have my guest. I told you I have someone extra special on the Adrian Ross show today. Uh, Sarah for Hex, welcome to the Adrian Ross show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I uh, just want to let everyone know you and I just recently met, uh, just what was the, it? Two weeks ago, I guess. Yeah, right? <laughs> just the weekend of October 13th. We, uh, were both speaking at a woman's conference in Shanahan, Illinois. And, um, you ministered the first night and the second day as well, but I'm telling you the the message that you brought that first night really, really grabbed me. And I just really felt between both of those days, such a connection. And I wanted to, I wanted to invite you on. I wanted to hear more of your story. And I really believe it's important for those who watch and those who listen to also hear your story. So um, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I felt the same connection. So I'm glad to be here. Yes. Well, let me start off by, by sharing a bio that I have with you. It by no means does this cover the expanse of who you are, but it gives us a little bit as we enter into the conversation we're going to have today. So Sarah Forhex went from telling the bad news every day to sharing the good news of the gospel across the country and around the world. After nearly 20 years in a career in television journalism, she now speaks full-time to churches and leadership conferences across the globe. Sarah is also a wife and a homeschool mother of three kids. She loves to swim, bike, and run, and often competes in triathlons. But most of all, Sarah is a fervent follower of Jesus Christ. She is passionate about helping others walk fully in their calling and encourages everyone to mentor someone, which is really interesting. And your social media platforms describe you as a speaker, a Bible teacher, a wife and mom, and on mission to help everyone everywhere walk in freedom. Amen. That's it. Yeah, that's powerful. So I, I probably want to get back to that last part as we uh, later on in the conversation, but is there, I mean, that's, 
obviously that's not the totality of, of who you are. Is there anything left out of that bio and your social media platforms that you want to add at the beginning of the conversation? Uh, I would say that the mentorship thing that you mentioned is a passion of mine, because I do feel like, uh, if, the older are not instructing the younger, uh, which Titus commands us to do, um, then we will have a generation generation that is lost. And I think that we um, have seen, you know, hints of that in our current society, um, but it's not necessarily that generation's fault who seems lost. It's that the older didn't instruct the younger. Um, and so I just hope that no matter what your age is, that you recognize that you add value to the generation younger than you, uh, because God says you do. So don't doubt it. Yeah, that's good. And I'm much older than you are, but, but I, I feel that you're going to add value to me today and you're going to va uh, add value to other people. I especially love your story because it is one of transition and so many people feel like they're on the edge of something else but we don't always know what that something else is. Um, and you, you I, I just shared it. You went from, from sharing the bad news every day to sharing the good news. Let's stay on the first part first. Journalism. Okay. Yes. okay, so um, how did you get into journalism? I mean, did you always want to be a journalist or or what? I did. From the time I was a young girl, I decided that I wanted to be a reporter. I've always read news and watched news and been interested in current events. Um, and then we actually had a shooting at my high school, my senior year of oh high goodness. school, small town in Oklahoma, very small town. Um, but it got a lot of news coverage mm -hmm. and I was glued to it. I would follow all the stories, read all the different reporters accounts of the story. I mean, because one reporter of course, um, can tell the same story a million different ways. If you, yeah, you know, absolutely. look at them, side by side by side. Um, and then also there was a time where my dad was in prison for a, a bit and that was in the news. So I read all those stories and I've always had, um, just an interest in storytelling. Also, once I became a Christian, the Bible is full of stories. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus, of course, the master storyteller, yeah. um, and so much to learn. And so I've always loved storytelling and questioning people, asking questions. Normally I'm on your side of the camera, not my side of the camera. Um, but I love it. And so journalism was a natural fit for me. And so almost two decades, um, into that, the Lord called me out. So that, that was pretty wild. Mm. Wow. And you loved it. I did. I covered primarily crime and courts. I mean, I really honestly covered a little bit of everything, what in the news business we would call general assignment. Uh, but a lot of what I covered was crime and courts. Um, honestly, I have a fascination also with our legal system, our justice system. Uh, I think most reporters at their core care deeply about justice. And I don't know, I did. I loved it a lot, honestly, until the day I left it. So that was interesting because I did feel like the Lord was the one, um, for sure who transitioned us out. Um, but it was also difficult, equally as difficult to let it go because I genuinely enjoyed what I did and felt like the Lord, you know, called me to that for a season, certainly, um, and gifted me to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the connection. I think I feel because those who, who pay attention to the Adrian Ross show know my story. Uh, they know that I was in, uh, teaching for almost 20 years as well. And that, 
I was passionate about it. I like to believe I was good at it. And uh, yet the Lord called me to transition to, to something, something else. So I, I feel that connection also, but you mentioned that you call, you said general assignment. Um, I want to show everyone, those who are watching and those who are listening, you can hear a compilation, Sarah, of some of your, your news coverage. And let's take a a look and a listen to that. Jersey Governor Chris Christie will not be charged in the so-called Bridgegate scandal. Prosecutors said yesterday they would not pursue misconduct charges because they couldn't be proved in court. Put it in a bowl now for the moment of truth. I gotta get a good bite here. There you do. Eat spinach, come here. Mm-mm-mm. Disregard that, but otherwise it was amazing. <laughs> in New York City, it was a city bus there. An out-of-control truck ended up stuck halfway into the bus. And it was several feet off the ground, just hanging there by the tires. Police say the driver was on an exit ramp when he swerved to avoid stop traffic. That video, hard to watch. As you can see, that's when he went off-road and on bus. Pretty clear across Springfield. MoDOT did a great job yesterday. Kansas and Republic, the main thoroughfare here, uh, all smooth going. So you should be able to drive your regular speed once you get off the side roads, that is. Without a warning, if you know the lady in that video or uh, the driver of that car, whoever's car that is, call Springfield Police. Boy, we got a lot of things to talk about with the weather, and we're heading into the yeah. weekend. Cold front, rain, all the above. See, back out live now, you can see these orange cones behind me. This is where the whole incident went down. It was an otherwise routine traffic stop, although uh, that's debatable among law enforcement that any of them are routine. We've got to reduce that crushing tax burden in order to produce only in America and not here and elsewhere. And in the president's words, to make America great again. It's getting ready any moment to be officially sworn in as Missouri's 56th governor. How about that? <laughs> How about that? So there are a wide range of stories just in that compilation, right? So yes. it's like you did. You like you said, you covered everything. What goes through your mind? First of all, how many years? How many years ago has it been since you've been in the journalism field? Three years. Okay. Uh, I still do some radio news for different radio stations, but that is a completely different beast than television. Uh, so I left television three years ago. Okay. So when you watch that, those, what goes through your mind? I mean, it's, it was an amazing career. Honestly, I loved every minute of it. And it's part of the natural curiosity that I have. Um, it's being the first on the scene um, and being able to have access to interview people who are making decisions for communities, for states, for countries, um, and just being able to be the eyes and ears of the public. I mean, I, I believe in journalism. The Constitution believes in journalism uh, to be a watchdog. Um, and you know, the eyes and the ears of the people whenever, you know, they're going to their normal day job. So I get to be the one to go sit at city council and figure out what's happening in our neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And you still have that, that voice. <laughs> you still have that, that journalism voice. So what are some, I mean, I'm interested in journalism because that's part of what I do as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, what are some memorable experiences, good or bad or otherwise, what stands out to you from your career? Um, well, when you showed that clip, when President Trump was in town, um, I got to interview Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, which was really cool because I was the only one who got to interview him. So that was neat. That was actually before he was vice president. Um, yeah. And then I interviewed Michelle Obama whenever, strangely enough, she was in town talking about the school lunches yes. and she was very excited about making them healthier. And of course, I mean, that's a good thing. But what's funny is I now hear complaints um, from different students about how now they don't like their school lunch. I'm like, yeah, because it's not, you know, doused in sugar and fat. So anyway, um, so students remember me interviewing Michelle Obama. So just, um, you know, the access um, into people's lives, you Mm -hmm. know, every day you're interviewing, you know, three or even four people sometimes on a daily basis and they invite you into their world. And I hold that with great care and and responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the school lunches with um, uh, Michelle Obama, because I was still teaching um, when all that was going on. And I remember specifically a student, I think it was homeroom. And it's like, we can't even have X, Y, and Z because of Michelle Obama. You know, thanks a lot, you know? And even myself, I'm like, what the heck? Can I find a candy bar in the building anywhere, you know? So- but anyway, before we transition to your transition, you you sound like someone who obviously took your profession seriously. Um, you mentioned the Constitution, right? And so when you, what are your thoughts about the state of journalism today? Like, are you totally divorced from the journalist lens when you watch something? Are you just watching, listening as an individual? Are you still wearing that hat? I still definitely wear the hat. Now I can get on my soapbox about the current state of journalism. So let me just get on it for a moment. Yes, Um, I want you to. Yeah. So I still love journalism. I believe in journalism. I know some of the colleges um, in America no longer have necessarily a journalism degree, but rather a mass communications degree. And therein lies the problem. I mean, we got to train journalists. And the reason that we have freedom of the press in this country is because they are to be a watchdog for public officials, which is needed. We all need that. We all need accountability We because we are accountable to someone. Um, and so whenever we don't have reporters asking critical questions or even logical, critical thinking skills, um, it's it's a detriment to our entire democracy. I mean, a democracy depends on good journalism, watchdog journalism. Um, and I do feel like we are lacking in that area. I, I will also say this. I know you are a woman of faith, as am I. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think that there are journalists who are intentionally out to lie to people. Because a lot of times, you know, the media is very distrusted these days and and the general public can think, oh, they're lying to me and they're purposefully lying to me. I actually think it's a worldview problem. Like you and I have a Christian worldview. Yes. And so that actually gives us a different lens by which we see the events of the world happening. And that is something that we have to consider when someone else is telling us information and they don't have a Christian worldview their reality, the way that they see it is actually different than how you would see it or how I would see it because we recognize how the bigger story ends, Mm. um, which informs our thinking. And so I don't know that any journalist is sitting around a table purposely concocting some story that they think is fabricated. I don't think that happens in any newsroom in America. Um, I do think though, that we've sometimes, especially maybe on the coast, um, and I know you're from a coast, but um, it's kind of interesting because 
I feel like those newsrooms are becoming more and more narrow in who they hire. So most of the Mm. people sitting around their table think like them. Whereas the more Midwesterner tables, you might have um, someone who is leans naturally more conservative, someone who leans naturally more liberal, someone who might be a Christian, someone who might be an atheist. There's a broader mix of people. It seems in my experience, mm-hmm. limited experience, um, that that is more true of like the middle of the country more so than it is on the coast. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because I was actually going to ask you about the fact that many people do not trust the media. And I was going to ask you if you felt that is a fair assessment. But if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that you 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 believe it's a worldview problem that there aren't there aren't people, there aren't newsrooms, et cetera, actually deciding that they're going to push a certain narrative. Is that is that what you're is that what you're that's, saying? That is that's my personal thought on it. I think, I mean, you know, take COVID for instance, mm-hmm. like there are people who see it one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people who have like a, just a completely different view on it. Um, mm-hmm. and are, is, is one side or another lying? Well, not necessarily. It's how they see it. It's how they interpret it. Um, mm-hmm. and when you come from a Christian worldview, um, it's just a different lens. I mean, you think, yes, it's serious. It's contagious. Like all of these things are facts of the case, but the truth of the matter, um, Mm -hmm. is it's a shaking it's, you know, Hebrew says that he will shake us until that, which remains cannot be shaken. And so, I mean, we all felt, um, shook, I think during COVID, um, but it was shaking something that needed to come off of us anyway. So that which remains is unshakable. Mm -hmm. And so when I had that lens, by which I was viewing all of the things, um, you know, and I, and I tried very hard not to live in isolation, but rather solitude. Like it's just those nuances, those small nuances that a Christian sees differently than the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, so many newsrooms, it, they call it the liberal media for a reason, because, you know, there's not a lot of Christians. I mean, there are definitely some, um, but it's not the majority. Mm-hmm. How closely do you follow politics? Pretty closely. I mean, less so since I've been out of the business, mm-hmm. but I I still follow politics because I care deeply and I think it matters. Mm-hmm. And just um just thinking about what you just shared, and I'm not trying to um press you to say something you don't uh, believe, but I, I but I'm curious because as I look at the news. It just seems like, and I get the whole worldview. I mean, worldview is everything, you know, but I, I guess I just don't trust that particularly politically that people are not, have not made a concerted effort to present politics and politicians a certain way. And yeah. um, I mean, I, and, and you, I mean, you, you walked it. So you, you know, I, I can stand corrected. I would love to believe what you're saying. <laughs> I really would. But I'm, I'm just, um, I'm just concerned about the state of journalism. I really yes. am. And being able to trust, you talked about being a watchdog. Does every journalist feel that way? Or are they watching out for their own interests? 
No, they not every journalist feels that way, but mm. it also is a training problem. For instance, mm. um, there was a particular press conference. I don't know. I, I don't mean to harp on COVID, by the way, like I, I get it, but it's just I feel like it's an indicator of uh, to answer your question. Mm -hmm. For instance, I was at a press conference once and they were talking about the vaccine. And the guy said that the presenter who was an authority on the matter, not mm -hmm. a doctor, not a medical doctor, but a government official um, mm -hmm. said, this is the safest vaccine known to mankind. This is the safest vaccine that we've ever come up with. That could be true. Mm -hmm. But when I said, show me the data for that, the problem is that there was no data yet. It was brand new. Like it might be the safest or it might not be right but to right. make that statement as fact before we had the actual facts in a room full of journalists i was the only one to even question the statement mm -hmm. because i'm not trying to push against their so-called agenda i'm simply saying you can't state something as fact without data to prove it mm -hmm. and so you're far too early to state that as fact because it's been on the market for five minutes what do you mean it's exactly. the safest you know what i mean so it's just the the ability to ask authorities critical questions seemingly has gone by the wayside mm -hmm. it, it, for a lot of people, especially right. the younger journalists coming up. Like mm -hmm. if someone in an official capacity tells them something, they take it hook, line and sinker. Mm -hmm. And I'm like going, they might be on it. That, that could be true, but it also might not be. And it's actually your job to figure out if it is or not, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know. And a lot of that, I mean, you mentioned our ages, we mm -hmm. are a little older within our careers, which is hard to believe by the way, isn't it? Um, that we are <laughs> yeah. a little older, but that is it the is truth. Hard to believe. They yeah. did add senior to my title at one point at which I was like, wow. Okay. So I've officially <laughs> arrived apparently. Time um, flies. Yeah. Right. It's just an interesting thing though. When we have people coming out, even from some of the top universities who, mm -hmm. first of all, their degree is in mass communications, not journalism. And mm -hmm. then secondly, they're just willingly taking information as if it's fact without actually having the know-how on how to check that against the data. Yeah. And are they lacking the know-how or they can't override their own personal leanings? Both. Both. Okay. Are you paying attention to the news coverage of uh, the Hamas attack on Israel? Yes. Okay. What are your thoughts, if you have any, about how that's being covered by the media? It's interesting because I actually have a friend who is Muslim who lives in that area. And mm. what she's hearing and what I'm hearing are two completely different narratives. Really? They could not be more different. Say more. It's, it's just so crazy because I, I get that there's this element of like, we believe what we're being told. We yeah. believe what we're seeing. We believe what we're being told, but mm -hmm. she believes what she's being told. And it's polar opposite of what you and I would be seeing in American media. So that's interesting. I mean, I have a bias because I have a Judeo-Christian worldview and I believe in the word of God. I believe that we should pray for the peace of Israel. I believe that it is written. Um, but at the same time, she believes what she's seeing and what she's hearing. Um, and so I'm like, well, probably neither one of us are getting the full story. Uh, I did watch a reporter on the ground who talked about um, the infants that were 
murdered and beheaded. And I, I got to tell you, I no part of me wants to see that. Right. But every part of me wants to see that because I feel like it matters. It matters mm-hmm. not just for today, but it matters for 20 years from now. Should Jesus tarry in coming back? It mm-hmm. matters that we document what's actually happening because it's one thing to say something. But if I'm a journalist and I'm acting as the eyes and the ears of the public, I actually feel a responsibility to mm-hmm. also show it. Now that's horrific and gruesome and I can't even fathom. And in that moment, like I, I don't even know this woman. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, question her integrity or something as a journalist, because how do you, I mean, that I can't even fathom processing that in the moment, right. but it actually mattered to me that I didn't see it because then as I'm talking to my friend, you know, who is of a different religion and who lives in that area and who's hearing a different narrative, all of a sudden I have zero proof to show her what I'm saying because I didn't see it either. Mm. Wow. That's, and that, uh, therein lies a dilemma. Right. You know, um, interesting. When you talk about, uh, seeing some of the images and, and I, I heard someone say as well that everyone should see that. I personally can't stomach that. Um, or any, I mean, I have a hard time. I mean, I had to really, really pray and seek the Lord about seeing Sound of Freedom because those kinds of things tend to haunt me. Yeah. And so I, um, that's really, it's difficult. I just was curious about that because um, we seem to, it just seems to be chaotic. The various viewpoints, the, the motion involved, members of Congress, it's just, it's just off the wall. You know, it is. yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people ask me just, you know, anecdotally, like, Hey, where do you go for news? And it's interesting because I don't know where to point people even, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, like you said, you had to discern and like seek the Lord about whether to see sound of freedom. That's how I feel about the news. Honestly. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'll listen to every side, um, mm-hmm. and listen to a lot of people, but I certainly don't take it hook, line and sinker. It's like, I'm praying that my spiritual eyes will pick up the truth of the matter, you know? Yeah. Yes. Cause I hear- it's hard even for a trained journalist. It's hard. It really is more so than it's ever been. Yeah. Talking about your transition into away from journalism, I should say, cause I'm listening to you speak and I'm thinking she's one of the good guys or gals rather. And I remember when it was time for me to leave teaching, I often heard people say, listen, we need more good teachers. We need more people who love children, who love what they do, who are passionate or good at it, et cetera. And I imagine you may have dealt with some of that. I don't know, but I'm saying, as I listen to you, I'm thinking we need more of Sarah in that. So you, you walked away though. Yes. Which is exactly how I feel about Adrian in teaching. <laughs> I can assure <laughs> you, um, you know, that I think that's honestly one reason why it was hard to leave. Uh, we also homeschool our children and there have been lots of people question me, like, why would you pull your kids out of the public school system whenever they are there to be salt and light? Yeah. And now they're not there. Now who's witnessing to their friend group, et cetera, et cetera, which I, totally understand the sentiment in both cases. Um, but as far as the homeschool thing goes, I I will say at least this, my kids are not yet salt and light. 
they're being trained up to be mm. salt and light, okay. but they're not yet. Who are we mm. kidding? They are 10, 12, and 14. Uh, they are on a journey toward Jesus. Um, I mean, they have like, they have dedicated their life to the Lord, but they're still a hundred percent in training. I mean, and of course we all are, we right. all are to right. a degree, but I'm just saying that they are not out there evangelizing their school yet. Um, but for me, and, and I know you can probably relate because I know you were good at your job and I know you loved it. And I know that you were called to it for those 20 years that you were in it. Um, but for me, it's just, I think it was feeling like I could no longer pursue the truth of the matter. Um, mm -hmm. because at the core of journalism is pursuing the truth even if it's the hard or the ugly truth, still being in pursuit of. Um, but we felt like that was missing. Like you said, is it the agenda? Is it the worldview? It's probably both of those things. Right. Um, but there just came a point. Mm -hmm. I actually remember the night that my husband, who was also in television journalism, journalism for 25 years, mm -hmm. he came home and I'd never heard him say a negative word ever about his career. And he came mm -hmm. home one night and he said, you know, I feel like I'm becoming more a part of the problem than I am the solution. Wow. And it, at that moment, I knew that we were both done. I knew that that was the beginning of the end. And it was, and I was right because it, like the, the Holy spirit was on it. I mean, when he said that, I was like, we cannot be a part of the problem. Like I am not a pot stirrer, you know? And, and I kind of felt like one. Um, <laughs> so Yeah. But yeah. it was hard to leave. And even still, you know, I mean, we don't regret our decision because we 100% believe that the Lord was in it, yes. but it's actually been harder than I thought it would be to be out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I can relate. It's, it's now 10 years uh, for me since I've been out of the classroom and um, I still, I still deal with that. I, I, I miss the, I don't miss red tape. I, I don't miss grading. I mean, I was an English teacher, so I certainly don't miss the hours and hours and hours of grading essays, <laughs> you know, but I miss the relationship with the students. I miss the reading of the great literature and the conversations and, and pouring in. And so, um, but I was ready to go because the Lord was, had been dealing with me for, for some time. Now, how long were you saved while you were still in journalism? I started in journalism in 2004 and I got saved in 2007. Mm -hmm. So I was a Christian. I mean, you know, I was a baby Christian, mm -hmm. but I was a Christian for most of my career, mm -hmm. um, albeit, you know, a baby Christian for several of those first years. Um, but you know, it's interesting because you talk about training journalism training. I mean, it is true that in college at many a university across this great nation, you are, um, indoctrinated. I don't know, maybe that's a strong word. Um, mm -hmm. but certainly I did start to develop in college because I admired and respected so many of my professors, so many people in the business, you know, young in the business. Um, and I thought, oh, and they were all mostly liberal. Mm -hmm. And um, you start to think, oh, if I'm going to be a good journalist, then I need to think like that. Then I need to act like that. And um, I, I feel like for some people, it's almost an elitist mentality. Like we have it all figured out because we're the journalists, we're the expert on the issue and, and nobody else is. 
whenever that could not be further from the truth. You know, I mean, we're simply there to interview the expert. We are not one. We're interviewing one, you know, Um, but the I, I do feel like there is ego involved. There's pride involved. There's a lot of ugly things involved to the untrained mind. So you got to guard against that because once I became a believer, um, I, I truly started to see the world through a different lens, but also journalism through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that there are people who will tune into this and they aren't necessarily in journalism. You know, they um aren't necessarily, you know, gra- grappling with transitioning into ministry, but I know when I walked away, I, from teaching, walked away. I'll always be a teacher, but you know, the classroom, there there were people who would say, I wish I could do that. Uh, You know, there was, some thought you were just absolutely nuts. Okay. Other people just were like, I wish I could. I remember one person said, I wish I could, but you know, but I, I, I have a child in this and I'm like, what, you think I don't like to eat? Like, I mean, because I never advise anybody to leave their job until they have another one because there's wisdom in that. But it didn't it didn't work that way for me. I did not when I submitted my letter of resignation, there was nothing at that time set up. I walked away because I knew I, that was what I knew that God was telling me to do. And I'm like, I don't have a job lined up. Like what do you mean if I didn't have a kid? I'm like like I don't like to eat, right? So it was um risky. But there were people who said, I wish I could. I wish I could. Um, but but I, but I can't. But you did. You well, know, I did, too. Yes, we did, too. A lot of people, especially my geographical area, they think that we had the next job, you know, in the bag before we left the first one, which is not the case. That's mm-hmm. how it appeared on TV. But that <laughs> is actually not the case. We resigned our position before we had the next job lined up. Um, I do want to tell this testimony just because I feel like it's perfectly applicable. Uh, before I got out of TV altogether three years ago, um, 12 years ago, um, while I was still in television every day, um, I felt like the Lord told me to quit my job. And I fought with him. I was like, what do you mean quit my job? I'm one of few Christians in the business, right. uh, you know, in the industry at large, I'm witnessing, I'm, you know, impacting people like for the kingdom. I, like I, no part of me wanted to quit my job. And I just felt like the Holy spirit told me that over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. I just was ignoring it, like walking, living in disobedience. Mm-hmm. And there was a day where my husband said to me, Hey, um, you need to quit your job. And I flipped out on him. I was like, what easy for you to say? Like this career is hard to get back into. And what would we, what would that even look like financially? Have you done the math on that? And he was like, I know it's going to be a massive financial sacrifice. I'm just speaking to you. What I know the Holy spirit has already spoken to you. And, um, and he was right. He was right. Even though I didn't tell him that the Lord told on me to him. Uh, and, And so I went in and ended up quitting my job. And it was interesting because I was only, I had only quit for one week and my boss at the time ended up calling me after one week. And he said, what would it take to get you to come back part-time? And I was like, well, I thought we didn't allow part-timers. What do you mean? Um, isn't that against the handbook? And he said, I'm the boss, you're the employee. And I'm asking you, what would it take to get you back part-time? I'm not worried about what the handbook says. I'm Mm. asking you as the boss. And it was really crazy because the Lord opened the door 
12 years ago for me to go part-time. And, um, I went from averaging about 50 hours per week at work to about 20 hours per week at work. Um, and it really, it felt like I was having my cake and eating it too. Um, because my issue with working long hours is that I didn't, I wasn't raising my kids. I was not around my kids because of the nature of the hours of news. Um, I wasn't around them. And my husband was like, you're going to live to regret this. And I know that it's a massive financial sacrifice, but I just know that the Lord has spoken. And Mm -hmm. so I really feel, I mean, I'm, I'm confident actually that had I gone and asked to go part-time, the answer would have been no. We had had a million reporters before ask if they could go part-time and they were always told, no, 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 we don't do that. And so had I asked, the answer would have been no. But because I was willing to quit, completely lay it down, Hmm. the Lord then blessed me with getting that part-time offer to come Hmm. back Mm part-time. And it's interesting because in that process 12 years ago, I re- claimed my identity in Christ. My identity had been wrapped up in my career in what I did. And it was just interesting because when the Lord stripped that away, like when I went back and I know it was only a week later, but I'm telling you when I went back a week later, I was a hundred percent different person. I mean, I was in Christ Mm -hmm. at that point, Mm -hmm. but I was then identified in Christ, not identified as Sarah, the TV personality, Sarah, the journalist, Sarah, the, like, it was just like this identity shift. Mm -hmm. And so if there is someone who was listening to our conversation today, faith is risky, right? By nature, faith is risky. So if the Lord is calling you to quit, if he's calling you to transition out, if you're holding on to it too tightly, it could be that your identity is in it. And when he says, choose this day, who you will serve, like you're going to say with your lips, well, I serve Jesus, but your heart is actually serving your, your master. That is your job, your employee, or maybe your identity. That's what you're actually serving. And so it's like, are we willing to loosen our grip on the things of this world? Because God is so good and so faithful that he will multiply back to you whatever it is you think you're giving up for him, whether it be going part-time, whether it be, you know, him moving you into a different thing entirely. Like he's not going to owe you anything and you will look back and you will be so thankful that you were willing to lay down the thing that he has asked you to lay down. Absolutely. Even when it doesn't seem to make sense, you know, that's right. Um, Cause did it no. make sense when you left? you know what I mean? Like, right. On no. paper for neither one of us, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. It doesn't ever make sense on it paper sense. to walk away from a job without another one lined up. And I don't recommend that unless you're a believer, by the way. Yeah. If right. You're a Christian. You, good on. Yeah. But if you're not, you should be yeah. very careful. And even then, even with what I felt and sensed for some time, knowing it was coming, I always knew that it was coming. I still saw godly counsel. I still brought it to my pastor. I still submitted it to him. And honestly, I was, I was committed to living by what he, what he said. Like if, if he had said, I'm praying, I'm seeking God. I'm, I'm feeling that your timing is off here. Um, that I was, I would, I would have submitted to that because I trusted him with that. But, but obviously when God's in it, he, he reveal he reveals that as well. And that was simply confirmed for me to take right. a step. Now it's interesting because 
A lot of times people say, well, how did you know to go? Like, did you get an audible voice? And here's the thing. As I'm listening to you tell your story and tell even how your husband spoke to you, God does speak audibly in, in various ways. But sometimes his audible voice comes through someone we know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I totally agree. And it's yeah. interesting because we also went to our pastor. We met with our pastor. Like, I thought we knew. I thought right. we had heard the voice of the Lord. Yes. And, and we did. We did. Right. Yeah. But I did want, like you said a godly counselor, Counsel, godly wisdom yes. for yeah. someone who knows us, mm-hmm. who believes in us, you know, who, who is not against us, who also loves the Lord submits mm-hmm. to his plan. So yes. we actually set up a meeting with a pastor and said, what do you think about this? And mm-hmm. I actually also, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, that he felt the same way Yeah, because we were pretty sure. But what's interesting is like you said, I do believe in submission to authority, um, godly biblical authority. I mean, even if that, even, you know, wives are to submit to their husbands, even when their husbands are imperfect leaders. Yeah, right. Um, and I think there's something to like coming under someone else's authority. Yes. And, and it was good. Like I'm, yeah. it's the beauty of the body of Christ. Absolutely. We are better together. Absolutely. Okay. So, so let's jump to this. Um, we're already in it, but let's jump to when you crossed over to the other side. You made that decision. You you stepped away. So what does the next day look like? Like what does what does life look like in the transition? It was. I mean, what's funny is we went. We both went to a nonprofit, and I still to this day love this nonprofit. I have nothing but respect and admiration for it. And both my husband and me both went to the same nonprofit, and mm-hmm. I was like you need me to do what Excel? I've never heard of Excel. Is that, is that some sort of a, like, I mean, the things that we were learning, like old dogs apparently do learn new tricks because it was, it was like more of an administrative role. It felt like more, um, I don't know what you call it, like schedules and, and administration. I don't know, but that's like not the journalist. I mean, that would be like you stepping in to teach math. You're like, wait, hold on a minute. (laughs) What? Nobody nobody wants to see that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it felt like a foreign language. That's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. Um, But even, you know, even in that, I still knew that the Lord had called us there. So I'm like, Lord, you're going to equip us with everything that we need for life and for godliness. But right now I'm, I'm needing equipping for life. Cause I don't know what the heck we're doing. Um, right. and neither did Ethan. I just felt like it was a huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the Lord won't waste any won't that, waste. you know, anything that we've learned. So, um, the next day it felt hard because also as a journalist, you're out and about a lot. And then all of a sudden I found myself sitting at a desk, yes. which was hard. I'm sure you feel the same way. Cause if you're yes. in a classroom and you're up, you're interacting, you're, Absolutely. you know, and then all of a sudden here you are working primarily by yourself behind a computer. I and mean, it home. is a whole yeah. new world. Yeah. And from home, I forgot you were at home. So yeah. it's just an interesting transition, but I think, uh, back to hearing the voice of the Lord, when you know you've heard his voice, like when when he was talking to Abraham in Genesis, telling him to leave his land, mm-hmm. leave everything he yeah. ever knew, leave his comfortability and his people group and go to a land you know not. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that he heard. And right. there's a comfort in that. There's a peace in that. And there's a stick to in that, yeah. even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. Yeah. So, so Sarah, what are you, what are you doing now? Well, we both went to Convoy of Hope at the same time. My husband is still there at Convoy. 
And I left there about a year ago because I started speaking. Uh, the Lord has opened doors for me to speak um, at women's conferences and churches and leadership organizations. Um, and so speaking feels like a full-time job. And so, um, I kind of felt like at that point I was working two jobs and I just felt like, man, now's the time. Like, this is really crazy, but here I go. Um, I kind of always knew that I would end up in speaking. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it's interesting because it's not a job you apply for. It's a job that finds you. Um, but finally it started to find me often enough that it Mm -hmm. felt like a, like an actual full-time career. Yeah. Wow. Same so, for you, right? What'd you say? Same for you? Yeah, yeah, same same for me. But I, what I want to know for you, from you, though, is how, I mean, how did it open up? How did it begin to open up and then pick up and pick up? It was years ago that I felt like the Lord told me that I was going to be speaking about the good news, not the bad news. Mm-hmm. But that was years ago, probably seven years ago. And so, um, I was like, okay, Lord, I mean, there's a yes in my spirit. I'm ready. Yes. And you've, and I, I can still remember the very first time that someone called me, it was a woman at a little Baptist church. And Mm -hmm. she said, Hey, you don't know me. I know you from the news, but I just feel like the Lord prompted me to call you to come speak at our Christmas brunch. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, speak about what? And she said, about, about Jesus, about the gift of Christmas and Jesus. And that was the very first time that I had ever like publicly, like in a group setting, you know, with a microphone attached to it, Mm -hmm. um, talked about Jesus instead of something along the lines of journalism. Um, and so that was my very first engagement. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I got another call and a couple of weeks later I got another call and then it was just word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, that was years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. so now last calendar year, I spoke 77 times, um, which blew my mind when I actually wrote that down on a piece of paper. I was like, wow. Cause Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known that. I still keep a paper calendar. I'm, I'm very old school. calendar. Me too. And so I didn't have them all written out Mm -hmm. until my husband was like, Hey, I have to pay taxes and like figure out all this stuff. Like I need you, I need to know what you've been doing. Yeah. So I like, it forced me to put pen to paper and I was like, wow, 77 times last year. I never would have dreamt that. Mm. Um, except for, I would have, except for, I would have, I knew the day was coming, but, um, right. yeah. seven and a half years to me felt like an eternity because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I wanted that door to open so badly. And then right. finally just through word of mouth, it, it started mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. wow. That's, that's wonderful. At what point along the, the road did you say, like your um, your social media says, I'm a Bible teacher? <laughs> yeah, so- I know. What are the odds? I mean, it's yeah. crazy because a friend of mine uh, who's younger than both of us by kind mm-hmm. of a long shot, mm-hmm. she said, hey, you have a really big following on social media. And I was like, okay. And she was like, but nobody would have any clue that you're like speaking and I was like, and that feels like self-promotional. Like, I don't want to self-promote, like, unless God opens the door, I don't care to be there. Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, you need some help. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you just, she was like, you have to recognize that there is power in your message. Like, do you believe that? Yeah, and I was like, I, I do. 
And she's like, well, do you believe that God can work through any and all means? Like if he can talk through a donkey, do you think he can talk through social media? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, then you're not promoting self. You're promoting God and what he's doing either in you or through you. And that's a beautiful thing. And so what's funny is I actually come up with all of my own content for my post, Mm -hmm. but I still, she's still the one to actually post it, which is totally semantics (laughs) and really probably annoying for her, but she's willing to do it. God love her. Um, And so it's funny because I do feel like um, you, you never want to, as a believer, you know, I think most believers would agree. Like it feels weird to kind of self-promote But my friend who's generations younger than us. She's right. The Lord can use any medium. Um, Mm -hmm. and he does use social media. And, um, I think that it is through social media that really helped also me get to speak more often because then people knew, oh, she's speaking. We should contact her. And, and often that's where they find me is on social media. That, you just hit the nail on the head because that can be so difficult because I'm like, I, I do certain things because I, because this is what you have to do. And like, for example, the books, like I, I just, I was like, oh man, I got to put my book out there. I got to tell people about the book got to do. And I've learned, I have people say, I don't know how to do this. I've learned to do the uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I'm in the process of writing a book and Mm -hmm. I already feel like the, uh, that you're talking about. Um, But what's funny is after having met you a couple weekends ago and feeling that kindred spirit, I called home and I was like, this woman's amazing. Like, where have I been all my life to not have known her? Like, I want to get your book. You know what I mean? Because it's like, and it's interesting because your book goes to a place that you will never physically go to. That's right. That's right. And if you believe in your message, and I know that you do, as do I, because the Lord imparted it to you. He gave you that, you know, that's your story. It's unique to you. It's your, um, you know, seasons of obedience and stepping out in risky faith and all those things. Like it's important because I mean, in revelation, it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, your life, my life has a million testimonies that are to be shared to help other people overcome the enemy. So I don't know, like I can justify it, but I get it. I'm with you. It still feels weird, I know, but I know that he's on you and in you. And that is a beautiful gift to be given to other people. Amen. That's good. And speaking of that, giving to other people on mission to help everyone everywhere walk in freedom, you said talk about that. Ah, yeah. So it's interesting because I feel like so many people call themselves Christian in title. Um, Mm -hmm. perhaps they were exposed to church or raised in church, but the only true freedom comes in relationship, not in religion. Mm. And we are all pursuing freedom. Like Mm -hmm. everyone at the core of their being is pursuing freedom, but it has nothing to do with a geographical location. Like Paul, the apostle Paul in scripture was often in prison. but he was completely free. In other words, he was not bound by those chains that physically bound him because his soul was free and, and freedom is a pursuit. It's a pursuit of Jesus because in him and through him, we find that ultimate freedom. Um, and so many people are looking for freedom in, you know, the political leaders and the elected official and and all of that's important. It all has its place, but I'm saying that even if you lived under a regime 
that had its thumb on you, you could still be actually walking in freedom because it's a gift that the government anywhere in this world cannot give you, but Christ can and will if you ask him for it. That's a beautiful, beautiful message for years. I did back, back in New York for years, I did, um, jail ministry and um the bibles that they had there for those ladies uh had printed and and the guys actually had printed on it free on the inside and that meaning was twofold obviously free on the inside he has set us free but also you are inside you are incarcerated but you are just as you said still free because that's something that no state that you're in can take from you that's you good know? that's it's good beautiful. yeah i love that you know, I want you to share as we uh, wrap up, I, I want you to share your your message, as I said, the first night really grabbed me. And I so wish it were on video so I could, I, I really would love, why don't you just go ahead and preach it again? <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that you talked about in essence was having faith and, and worshiping even before. And I want you to share on that because I know that there are people everywhere who are just, as we say, going through. They And we know people have questions because part of the conference was a Q&A. And people do have questions about when you don't see what you want to see or you're walking through the valley. And, and people are there. You know, people are there struggling and, and, and wanting to stand in faith. But they're like, how do you have faith in the times that we're living in? So would you just share a little bit, encourage somebody how do you walk it out? How do you stay with the Lord when you haven't yet seen what you want to see? Yeah, I think a part of um, the journey in the Lord is that staying power before you get it, before you see that answer. I mean, over and over in the Gospels, including the story um, in Matthew 15 uh, that Adrian's talking about, it's when the Syrophoenician woman or the, the Gentile woman, her her daughter was demonized. And she was miserable. I mean, absolutely miserable. And she came to Jesus and she wants her daughter set free. And Jesus ignores her at first. Like she's begging with Jesus. He ignores her. Then he says, you know what, lady, it's not your time yet. Like I came for the Jews and you're a Gentile. Then he goes on and calls her a dog. He says, it's not right to take food from the children and give it to the dogs. And this woman did not ever pick up a fence. I mean, so often in our culture, we don't get the answer to our prayer right away. And we're either angry about it. We're offended by it. Or we think, Oh, then it's not for us. Cause if he wanted to do it, he would have already done it. So I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to forget about it. I guess it wasn't his will after all. And Jesus wants freedom for this woman and for her daughter. Jesus wants that freedom, but Mm -hmm. she, he, she or he does not give it to her right away because he wants her to stay put. He's Mm -hmm. drawing out of her a faith that will actually take her deeper into relationship with him. Because when we persevere, when we endure in this race, in this journey of faith, we, we grow, we go deeper because faith that is not challenged does Mm. not actually grow. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can ask Adrian or me, it's very, very faith filled at five 30 in the morning when we're sitting on our couch, reading our Bible, but then comes the 8am meeting where we actually have to stand up for our faith, stand up for what we believe. And all Mm. of a sudden, you're challenged by that, but that's actually where the growth happens. 
I mean, you got equipped maybe by yourself on your couch, but it's not until it's challenged that there's actually a deepening of your root system. So this woman is pleading at Jesus's feet, please heal my daughter. And it's like, he didn't, and he didn't, and he didn't, and she stays there. And in that passage, it says, when he said no, or or when he said basically not yet, he said, I didn't come for you yet. She said, you know what? That's true. But I will stay here and worship and plead again. And she starts worshiping Jesus before she sees the answer Mm -hmm. to her prayer request. Mm -hmm. And if she would have left his feet, she would not have seen it. She wouldn't have seen it. She would not have been with him anymore. Mm -hmm. Even geographically, she would have been gone from the scene, from his presence. His presence was there. His person was there. And she's like, you know what? I know that you have freedom for everybody who seeks you including for my daughter. And I'm not going anywhere until I see you move. I'm going to worship you. And I think it's powerful. It's instructive for the rest of us to start worshiping in the midst of our storm before we see the breakthrough and -hmm. realize that Jesus is not withholding anything from those who walk uprightly. He's simply drawing us deeper in the waiting. I mean, there's something about um, I mean, Adrian and I probably both of us could give a million testimonies about when we've had to wait on the yeah. Lord for something. Absolutely. It was in that waiting that we grew. Like if he answers a prayer request immediately, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But it also doesn't seem to stick with you for nearly mm-hmm. as long as the ones that you had to pray through. Mm-hmm. I love what you said that he was drawing faith out of her because it's all about trusting his character trusting his heart and just trusting him. You know, our mindset is we worship after we see it, where we praise and we're thankful after. But what you're saying is to me, it speaks of true trust and true relationship and understanding his character. Whatever he does, he's a good God. It's for our good. Right. Amen. Amen. So, so are you parked here where you are now? You're speaking, you're homeschooling, you're, you're doing, uh, you're doing so much. Are you, do you feel content to park here or do you know what's, is there something next? Is there another move? You know, interestingly, I still feel like there's another move. I don't know what that looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm on a journey just like you are. And I don't know. I mean, I, I love speaking. It's definitely keeping me crazy busy. Um, and I know that it's the call, but I just have that. Hmm. I don't yeah. know that I'm there and I'm content here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like I'm also still going there now. What does there look like? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the news person in me still feels like there's possibly a seat at a table where we would be doing, my husband and me both would be doing news from a Christian worldview. I don't know. Um, I don't know what the Lord has yet. You know, it's, it's kind of a discerning and a seeking and, um, but also being content, you know, whatever the circumstances Paul says, uh, which is a learned behavior. I've learned to be content. So um, (laughs) I think it's both. And honestly, right now, well, I, I'm I'm grateful that you uh, are allowing us to kind of have allowed us to kind of travel with you, you know, through through the seasons and and know that whatever God has for you, it's it's good. You know, He's brought you this far. 
Um, and he will he will continue to lead you and guide you because your heart is is turned toward him. That's beautiful. So um, how do people keep up with you? Um, I mean, you are obviously you're speaking and you're open to speak as well. And But how do people follow you and and uh, contact you? I am on all the all the things, social media, Instagram at Sarah Forhats, and I'm on Facebook um, at Sarah Forhats, which it's a crazy spelling. Sarah is just S-A-R-A, no H. Forhats, F-O-R-H-E-T-Z. And then I have my speaking calendar at sarahforhats.com. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So I think that um, people need to touch base with you, need to follow you, need to uh, need to hear what you're saying. And then uh, also, if you're looking for a dynamic speaker and listen, I can attest I was in the room, as they say, I was in the room and I was blessed by your ministry, by what you shared. And I encourage other people to, um, if they can, to invite you to um, to come speak and be a blessing to uh, to others as well. Sarah, thank you so much for thank being Thank you. With- and likewise, right back at you, by the way. So thank right. you for that. I so appreciate it. All right. Well, God bless you abundantly, sister. You too. I absolutely loved that opportunity to speak with Sarah Foreheads. And I encourage you to follow her on social media. I encourage you to book her to come speak. You will not be disappointed. What a blessing. What a journey she has been on with her career and obviously with the Lord. So take her words to heart. You will be glad you did. So thank you for tuning into this episode of the Adrian Ross show. And remember, other podcasters are part of the BMG network. That is the bmgnetwork.com. We are engaging, enlightening, informative, and even entertaining. So be sure to check that out. Go to my Substack. I need your support. adrianross.substack.com. Subscribe. There are various subscription options. I particularly am fond of the paid prescription, although I appreciate all of them. But your subscriptions mean a lot. Also, go to YouTube, The Adrian Ross Show on YouTube. Subscribe, like, leave a comment. Help me to bust through the algorithm. I need your support. And of course, go to the podcast platforms wherever it's possible. Leave a rating, leave a review. There is work to be done. There's a message to get out and I need your help to do that. So I need you tuned in. I need you sharing, liking, um, subscribing, all the good stuff. Much, much appreciated. And remember that We the People meets at five o'clock every Tuesday at Delmonico's in Jackson. Once again, I will be there on the 24th and Pastor Zach Strong will be there with me. And together we will have a presentation that I assure you will be unique. So check it out at Delmonico's five o'clock Jackson, Missouri. And remember that the next meeting is October 31st, the meeting after the 24th, as they meet every Tuesday at Delmonico's at five o'clock PM. So be sure to check it out. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Adrian Ross show and God bless you abundantly.